Hey guys, you're listening to In Traffic with Neil Rubenstein. I am Neil Rubenstein, and I'll be sitting in traffic this time, talking to a friend of mine, Nick Gambarian, from the uh, rock and roll outfit Bayside. Hey, how are you, Neil? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Just hanging around. Hanging around? What did you do tonight? Uh, not much tonight. Took it easy tonight and just stayed home and did TV and all that type of stuff. You guys have a off for a while? Or what's, uh, what's the plan? Yeah, yeah. We are uh, in the middle of writing our seventh album, so we, uh, we're not in the studio till March, so we're kind of just... Hanging around writing. Seventh album? Seventh. Holy Crazy. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the numbers are getting Holy ridiculous. Jesus. I thought I thought our sixth album that sounded crazy to say that, but number seven's coming up. That is absolutely insane, dude. Like I remember back in the day, like when people would sign deals like and hold on, I'm I'm actually in traffic, so I'm trying to cut someone up. Uh, I remember back in the day, like, we, we would, like, joke, like, people would get signed to concerts to record deals, and they'd be like, oh, it's, you know, I, it, it's a 10-album deal, like, were we sick of it all? But then, yeah. like, yeah, now, like, bands are actually, like, you guys, Take My Sunday probably has, like, a bunch of records. So, like, <laughs> you're getting up there. It's getting up there, and it's it's better than ever, I could report, which is good. But uh, I think what makes it seem like it doesn't, in certain aspects, it seems like a long time, but really our first four were us just trying to pump out albums to get off Victory Records, which kind of, once we were off that, it really only seems like three. It seems like we've really only had, you know, three albums in the last four years, which isn't so bad. But uh, It's still a pretty <laughs> crazy pace, three yeah, and four yeah. years. Well, it's all, it's dictated by, you know, we don't necessarily ever feel the need to slow down and we it's our lives it's our livelihood so we we uh we know by the end of this summer we want to be on tour again so we gotta do what it like we work backwards from that goal we're like all right by the end of the summer we want to be on tour so we need an album out by then and we need to give our record label the album by april 1st so we need to be in the studio march 1st that's pretty much how we're uh we're working on the seventh album right now uh, I didn't mean for uh, this to be the direction of this conversation. I was going to talk about other stuff first. But yeah, whatever. I, it all. Also, yeah. Also, I just like I did an interview with Steve or Steve Padula earlier, uh-huh. and you guys actually came up because we were talking about uh, like how fortunate we are uh, that we lived on the road for so long and nothing mm-hmm. ever. I mean, bad things happen, but it was, like, stuff that we can look back and laugh and be like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I would totally do that again as long as I knew that the outcome would be the same. But, like, <laughs> you were, like, you were, shit was hairy for you for a minute, right? Yeah, about uh, 10 years ago. I had uh, had been in uh, Bayside for about a year, and uh, me and the drummer replaced the previous members. uh 
we had just put out like our first record or our first record as that lineup. Um, yeah, and we got in a really terrible wreck uh, on our first like big tour supporting our second album the first one with the new members and like four shows into the tour we we were on that like shitty road in wyoming between uh colorado and utah and i uh we flipped our van just hit some black ice and our drummer passed away i broke my back and uh that was uh kind of changed the trajectory of things for a little bit so yeah it, it was hairy but it was like uh well, the you know when once everything went down and it was like very uh, you know we'd realized uh, I mean immediately even before the ambulance came that our drummer had passed away and it was just a moment for us you know once I was in the hospital and I didn't even realize I had broken my back when the doctor said I had broken a vertebrae I was like really it didn't hurt that much <laughs> and they were like yeah well you have tons of adrenaline going through you and uh, that kind of covered things up for a little bit but. We so you all like, had to uh, we had to decide whether we wanted to immediately, one way or the other. Either we have to stop being a band or we don't. And none of us we were all young dudes, and we didn't want to stop. So we just had to like navigate that from from that point on. Like, and some things we dealt with correctly, some things we didn't. But uh, we just did whatever. We, I mean, really, the story of Bayside is always doing whatever we have to do to do the next thing, like do the next album, do the next tour. We've uh, figured it out at this point going on 16 years and, and seven albums Fuck, man. <clears throat> i like uh, i'm sorry uh, i have like a bunch of questions that this brought up um, no problem uh so you when you like you weren't paralyzed at all like there wasn't no because yeah, i we had a friend do you remember will Levitino? no i don't believe so we had a friend, Will, who was in a similar wreck, mm-hmm. and he broke his back, but, like, he had to learn how to play music again. Like, he had to, like, learn how to use his fingers and shit. And Yeah, mine mine was never that, that rough. It was, uh, thankfully, pretty swift, like, uh, as far as once the surgery happened, you know, a day or two later, kind of had to do the whole not learn to walk thing, but your body is just in such shock that you even going around like the floor of the hospital is like foreign to you. So you're like winded and, and basically in bed the rest of the day, just from walking like 30 feet, you know? And, uh, I don't know. I was on a plane home within a week and, uh, I think that, so that happened on Halloween 2005 and by April 2006, I was back on tour which seems quick, but I mean, yeah. immediately wanted to do what I do. You know, that's really all I've done since I, since and the like, end of high it, school and since I graduated high school was tour and being banned. So I just needed to get that like normalcy back. You knew right away beats and dance. Yeah, we, we couldn't, you know, as much as I could recall, he was the last one that wasn't like up and running around and, we all kind of had almost like this surreal moment where we're like, where's, where's Beats? And then we had to like search for a minute and then we found him and it just didn't look good right away. And he was non-responsive and, you know, pretty much like pronounced that he was like passed away as soon as the ambulance came. They didn't spend that much time with him. So 
he had gotten thrown from the vehicle? Yeah, we were the only two, actually. I was thrown, and he was thrown. I guess it just really some some stroke of luck and bad luck. You know, like he was in the very first bench of the van, and I was in the third bench. So whatever difference that made, you know, it was actually life and death, first bench and third bench. Holy shit. Yeah, real, real heavy, and I don't know that 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 just being in that position when you're just trying to do what you love, and also that's really the only reason you do it because at that point we weren't making any money, you know. So it's like this is like severe bitterness. Like, why the hell does this have to happen? I'm we're all literally just like trying to make like our way in the world by doing what we love. And not for money, you know, like completely not for money. We were definitely not making money in 2005. So just this extreme bitterness that came along with physical pain, too. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't imagine any of that. I'm really sorry to even make you talk like that. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it's all some part of uh, some sort of therapy. And, and you know, it, it's strange. It's like it's. 10 years has gone, but you think about it all the time, but it's, I don't know, that's, there's actually no, nothing to say, but, you know, that's life, and people deal with worse things, and, you know, it's, it's just a, kind of like a part of things that have happened to all of us, or like the, the bunch of us that had to go through it. And was, uh, did Chris replace Beats right away, or did you have other... People. We had one guy who they found uh, because Jack and Anthony did do a little tour with the Smoking Popes, like in between, um, while I was recovering, and they did get a fill-in guy. It was, it's actually sort of a funny story because I remember talking to Anthony, like kind of halfway through that tour, and he's like we don't really like this guy. He's kind of a weirdo and he's not vibing with us. So we're going to wait for you to see what you think before we make any decisions. And probably within an hour, I was just like, this guy's not, he's just not like one of us, you know, like I think he was from Southern California. He was just kind of didn't fit in. And he also wasn't the greatest drummer in the world. So like it, it, <laughs> it, it almost became like, Anthony was like, we want to see what you have to think before we make a decision. And I basically came in and was like, yeah, he's not, like, we can't move on with him. It's kind of not great. And then I wound up being the one who had to, like, make the phone call and be like, yeah, this isn't working out. You know that, right? <laughs> that was definitely, like, my, <laughs> my, like, my, my, like, how my, like, inflection of my voice was. It's like, I kind of assumed he realized it wasn't working out because I mean, none of us were, like, really getting along. And we complained kind of all the time about the drumming part. So at that point, I didn't give a shit. And I was just like, yeah, you know, this isn't working, right? We're just going to get someone else. <laughs> Did you guys know Chris at that point? Or was he like the Franklin thing? Or? Nah, he, I was the only one who, who had uh, known him at that point. And uh, he was, he's always been the youngest one. So I think he was 20 in 2006. So, uh, I had to run into him just through friends and hanging around like various little studios in the area and stuff like that. So I don't really know, even know, I, I can't remember seeing him play drums, but I just kind of had always heard that he was good and heard some recordings. So when we decided to kick that other guy out, 
I had just like run into Chris a bunch and I guess just put the like feelers out there to see if he was interested. And at that point we knew he was a way better drummer than the, the interim guy. So we kind of just interviewed him to see, you know, and he was just a Long Island, like little 20 year old dude and within our age group. And we knew he was like a, a badass drummer for a 20 year old. And, and, you know, to this day, he's still like one of the best drummers that like any of us have ever played with and, and adds like so much to the band. But really when he joined the band, it was almost more of an interview. Like his drumming was like a formality. We knew he was a good drummer. And we're not exactly like reinventing the wheel, you know, as far as music goes. So he was more than qualified drumming wise. So it was, it was kind of just sitting around and like talking. And after that, we were just like, yeah, he's, he fits in. Like, let's just do this. It's so, it's just, uh, it's also weird to me because, like, I knew all you guys and I, I knew what happened, but, like, I don't know, like, it still feels like a new story to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because it's not, it, it was how people first heard of us. Yeah, well, we didn't talk about it because we've always, we didn't want it to be who we were. So it's, if any way, it, like, or what defined us in any way. So if anything, we didn't talk about it, but we also like suppressed it a little bit because we just didn't really want it to be what we were known for. And at the time that it happened, that is the first way a lot of people heard of us or even listened to us. Um, because it wasn't like, like for instance, like a month or so ago, that band, a ghost inside got in a really bad accident. Yeah, Thankfully yeah. no one, no one, really got like too seriously injured or passed away or anything but that band's you know a bigger band already so the the outpouring of help and stuff is 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 going to be just magnified times how big their band is and we were nothing at that point you know like we're not nothing but we had to just put out our second album and if i could like approximate how many people we were playing in front of about that time it's probably like around 100 you know so it, it didn't affect people uh, like a big group of people and if anything it brought like all eyes on us for a minute and made people know about us or hear us for the first time um so i don't know it just didn't seem like uh, we didn't want we were just super cautious about the whole thing and like i said we were all still just like little kids basically so there's some things we handled right some things we didn't but it's all just how it all kind of unfolded and you, you, uh, can we talk about Eddie Reyes for a second? Oh, of course. I, jo uh, I joke with Eddie all the time that he, he invented me because he just, <laughs> <laughs> he came up to me at a show, one of the, like, very few shows at 45 Park Avenue in Bayshore. And it was like, you go to every show. Do you play any instruments? I'm like, yeah, I play bass and a little guitar. And, uh, that's really the, how I started to be in, real bands that weren't just like little high school bands with my friends, I guess. So he, he talked you into playing bands for Movie Life, right? Yep. It was, uh, he had just met Alex and Evan and were, they were talking about getting together and writing. And, uh, yeah. So we wrote even before Vinny was in the band. We, we had music written without a singer and then we, I don't even know who else we tried out besides Vinny. I want to say 
we tried out Mike Nagin, I want to say. Really? Yeah, and then Vinny, and then that was it. We just took Vinny. I want to say that was Mike Nagin. Uh, <laughs> but we, yeah, I mean, once we, we kind of had songs and then tried out Vinny, and then that was the movie life. And I was a senior in high school then. And uh, But by the end of that year, I was in Sound Majority. Like, by June, I was in Sound Majority. And Movie Life didn't want me to do both. <laughs> so. And touring, though, right? Like, you were yeah, touring yeah. with Sound Majority at that point? Yeah, I, I graduated high school and went on a tour in 1998 immediately, basically. I, I would say within two weeks, I was on, like, that would, uh, probably two-month-long tour with Indecision and Millhouse and Sound Majority. And how long was the gap between Sound Majority and you playing in Bayside? <sighs> That was, I guess what was the last show Salem Jar two thousand one so three yeah, years about I think about three years and oh really uh, yeah yeah it was Were longer you? than it it felt at the time like I, I think I was a little like bitter that Salem Majority had broken up just because it was I think we were trying to figure out our groove after like we did that little EP and it was kind of wild and all over the place but i think the songs we had written which nobody will ever hear because i don't even know if they exist anywhere like even as a demo or anything were somewhere in between that ep and life of a spectator and it was fucking great and then i was just really bitter that like we couldn't keep going over like the stupid like musical difference shit that most bands break up for (laughs) (laughs) what did you did you do what did you do in the interim? Were you like uh, trying to like just, work a real job or something? Or? Yeah, yeah. I was just doing stupid retail stuff. I did uh, just mall jobs, and eventually, like when Urban Outfitters opened up in Roosevelt Field, I worked there, and that's actually how I met Anthony. Within, I think, under a year, I want to say. Okay. Uh, oh, was he like a was he like a big shopper at Urban Avenue? <laughs> no, he actually we had a mutual friend, and she was like, "Hey, he needs jobs for when he's not like a job when he's not on tour." Um, and I figure, and she was like, "I figure you understand like that kind of that world." So I was like, "Yeah, sure." Uh, so yeah, that was that. I mean, he worked barely, and at that time I was back. I was playing music again. I was in the band Keep Breathing with Mikey Jacovina and Alex for Movie Life again. So I was kind of starting to get the, the urge again to, to do things. And uh, Anthony was going back on tour. I think he was opening. They were Bayside was opening for Fallout Boy and Armor for Sleep on some tour. Huh. And this was this was 2004. Uh, and he's like, I have a feeling my bass player wants to quit. So think about if you want to you know he's like if you're interested in being in a band again like i'll let you know in a couple of weeks if he quits so he came home and he's like yeah so he quit and my drummer quit so i need to find a drummer and a bass player and it was it was like a weird moment in my life because i think i was really happy with where i was sounds strange but i was happy with working at urban outfitters it was like a pretty kick-ass job in 2004 i don't know how it is now but in 2004 is a pretty cool retail job and they paid well. So I had to be like, uh, I, I felt old at the time. I was just like, I'm 24. It's probably my last chance to like be in a band. I'm going to just do it. And, and that was that. And here you are. 
The only thing I, uh, the only time I even heard Bayside before that was actually on like, remember Christian had a little radio thing on, yeah, yeah. I want to say like 92.7. I just remember yeah. hearing Bayside once and be like, I think I remember liking that song. So I basically joined a band. I sort of knew what it sounded like, like what they sounded like. I just wanted to play music and tour. Think about how different uh, life would have been. Yeah. Yeah. Like one simple little decision, like, uh, all right, I'll play with you guys. Or yeah. like, nah, I'm good here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you'd be uh, like, district manager of fucking anthropology right now. Yeah, I probably would be making more money, but I would, I don't even know what I want to, for some reason in my head, I'm like, I don't want to know what I would look like. I don't know about anything else, but I can't imagine <laughs> what I would look like. <laughs> <laughs> you probably wouldn't cuff your denim jacket. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. Think. <laughs> <laughs> First thing that popped in my head, what I would look like if I just kept working at Urban Outfitters. I have no idea. I think you'd, you'd wear a wool hat. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? In uh, the couple of couple of months that I did work at Urban Outfitters, I did find some cool bands that I really did wind up enjoying forever. Like I think More Adventurous that just came out from Ryla Kylie, so like that. This is still oh, one of yeah. my favorite albums ever. But I found out I found out about Rilo Kylie just from actually working at Urban Outfitters. I found out about Rilo Kylie from the show Weeds. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they did. It's like uh, the end of the first episode, the end of the pilot is like this heart-wrenching moment mm-hmm. to arms outstretched. Yeah, yeah. And I was just sobbing like a child, like, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> And then I had to find so, out who that was. And, and yeah, yeah. yeah. I was hooked. I was hooked. <laughs> that, so wait, is that the, that's also the end of the series, though. Did they revisit that? Because I don't remember it being in the first yeah, episode. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, they they did a great job with the finale. Like, they, oh, okay. They finish. I'm pretty sure they finish with the same song that ends the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Because I do remember it ending sure. the series. And I thought that was cool. I don't remember it ending the first episode, but... Yeah, it ended the first That's episode. Cool. Yeah. It was a while. Like, so I watched that episode, and then I immediately got into Rilo Kylie, mm-hmm. and, like, it was years before I started watching Weeds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, but I don't know, it's weird. Uh, speaking of what you would look like... Uh, that's the worst segue. So what's up with Born and Bread? Like, is this something that you uh, are hoping can become something for when you're you're done touring? Yeah. Or that's uh, that's been the idea. It's going on like four years now, and I think you know I've immediately wanted to like skirt the idea of like putting you know dumb shit on t-shirts and curse words and just making a bunch of money immediately. And it's more like it's something that I've always been interested in. Like even before I had those like weird retail years, I just remember kind of liking to shop and buy t-shirts and shit when I was like a kid. Like I, I would always make my cousin take me back to school shopping, uh, you know, in Soho or whatever when I was you know, way younger. And, uh, I always thought it was cool to have, like, the, you know, kind of just what became, like, the graphic tee, like, silly business that it is. I used to just go to the city as a younger kid and buy dumb shit, and I was happy. I was the only kid who had it in 
in fucking Deer Park, you know? <laughs> like, uh, so I don't know. It's just, I think it's something that was like in me early on to want to do something in like the clothing world. And I just didn't want it to be like this fleeting thing that put money in my pocket when I started. Like, yes, I want to make money and I want it to be like a supplemental income to the band thing, but I am being very cautious of how it is and I don't even care at this point if people know like that I'm involved I just want people to like it and you know if it's something that is super awesome in 10 years then then my job is done you know it's not something that I I immediately set out to like make money I just wanted it to be like a creative thing with two of my friends that uh that we did things right like we're doing things right and are creating a vibe instead of just going off of, you know, well, we need money, what's popular in pop culture, throw some dumb shit on a shirt and reap the benefits, which, you know, people do it and whatever. But, uh, and some of that is cool, whatever. But it's just, we, we were trying to, we're more looking at, like, brands like Vans or Obey or stuff like that. Like, that should be our goal. Like, that's a huge goal, but let's make that our goal, you know? And that's not something that happens in three years. It's going to take 10, 20 years. So it's, uh, it's been fun and it's cool. Like it, it really just came out of the time where in between our fourth and fifth record, we had a bunch of time off and I was like, I don't know what to do. And like, we're writing music, but I need something else to do too. Like I need something, some other way to be creative. So I just, uh, got with two of my buddies that live out in Colorado and, and started it. It's been fun. And it's, it's doing well, right? Like, I feel like I see it a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it's, it's, not, I, just, it's a, not just because of this world, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going well, it's super profitable, but it's at the point where we just take all of our profits and build the company, you know, it's like not something where we're, we're, uh, we're worried about our wallets because all of us all have income coming in from other places. So we can just do this thing right. So it has the best opportunity to succeed, I guess, and, and be like an actual long-term thing. Uh, are you, are you in stores? Like, are you in urban? And, and, and No, like that? that would, that would be rad. You know, that would definitely be like somewhere where we would want to be. But at this point, we'd still such a small thing that like, I would say if, like, an, a wholesale order from Urban Outfitters came in tomorrow, we wouldn't even be able to print it ourselves, which we do yeah, print, print ourselves right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, we would figure it out, but we wouldn't actually physically be able to do it like we do everything else right now. Because right now, the three of us just get together and and, and print, like, once a season. And uh, and then that's it. You know, one thing sell out, they sell out. And, but, you know it's something we would love for sure. We, I mean, we've done little kind of boutique things and, and done small wholesale orders with, you know, smaller independent stores, but uh, that's about all that we could actually handle as currently constituted. But, you know, we would make it work. We would be calling whatever printer buddies we needed to call to make a, an urban uh, actual order work if we had to. Yeah. A friend of mine does a, um... Uh, I think it's called Barnaby Black. Oh, yeah. Uh, they, they do, uh, like, essential oils and, like, beard oils and, like, mm-hmm. soap for men and, like, weird niche things like uh, cigarette-flavored yeah. lip balm or, like, you know, like, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, like, he got 
he got an order for Urban Outfitters, and he was like, uh, I have to quit my job to fulfill this order. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, uh, I don't know what to do. So yeah, it's funny yeah. how that, like, yeah, you just, like, I, I, it would be cool, but kind of I don't want it because then it changes my life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's it's. I mean, that stuff. I I don't even know the first thing about the preparation and how to create that stuff. Uh, but I don't know. It's something. It, you know, I I know it's not how things work, but it would be cool to like gradually build up to that point. But at right, the same right. time, it could it could happen overnight at any point. You never know. I mean, it seems like honestly, the way Urban Outfitters works is if they see if they see something online, they'll probably just rip it off instead of you know <laughs> asking you to buy it. <laughs> They did that to Johnny Cupcakes, right? Like, was that Urban? I think so. I mean, they've definitely done a couple, couple of shady things. I think, I think Johnny Cupcakes was probably a bigger one. Yeah. I wonder what level of, like, what level they do rip off. Like, is it some graphic designer rips it off and Urban doesn't know, or, or do you think that there's people in Urban being like, Johnny Cupcakes, figure out how to like make our design look just like this. But right at the line know. of us getting sued. I don't know. I think I would think like a graphic designer wouldn't want to rip off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like you would have to be following orders. I think at that point. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, totally. I don't know. I guess there's some like shady, underhanded dudes. But like, yeah. I don't know. A, a friend of mine does stuff for like uh, maybe not urban. But like I know he does stuff for Converse and, and Vans and stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'll reach out to him. I'm, I'll make him do a podcast. I'll yeah. find out what that is. That's all I do. That's all I use this for. Is like every time I have a question, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make Jamie Tallarico do a podcast. So I can ask him this dumb question, <laughs> and then it's like 16 or it's like 25 minutes of like me and him just catching up, and then I'm like, oh, by the way, I have this question. <laughs> Well, I, I I told you I, I listened to one of you and Brian Diaz. I was in this coffee shop that just opened in Babylon. Uh, so it was just like we were hanging out, which was cool because I missed. Yeah, I, I've seen Diaz a couple of times recently, and uh, and I haven't seen you in a while. So I was like, oh, it's like we're kind of just all getting coffee, which was cool. Made me yeah. feel a lot less lonely because I was just sitting there alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember I listened to Diaz on um uh, on Tony Daxton's podcast. Uh huh. It was like Diaz and Jesse on Tony's podcast, and I was like, I was like, oh man, like I, I kind of want to like interject here. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, so like you back me up, right? Like the best punk album of the '90s is Outcome the Wolves, right? I mean, it it definitely is the best. I I mean, I would. I always grew up on, you know, I picked up a bass because of, like, Green Day, you know? Like, that's where I came from more so than a hardcore world, which is, even though those are the shows I went to here on Long Island and the city and stuff, like, I always just more gravitated towards the punk stuff. But, yeah, I mean, and Outcome the Wolves is, it's amazing. Like, I, I wouldn't think to, like, I wouldn't think of even putting Green Day in that category. You know, like Bad Religion, I think, is my favorite yeah. band ever. So I would. I, it's hard for me to pick one of their albums. I would say Stranger Than Fiction, but I don't think that Stranger Than Fiction is a better album than An Outcome of the Wolves, even though I like Bad Religion more, you know? Yeah, so. I don't even think that's their best. I, I mean, I guess I don't really... Like, Stranger Than Fiction, for me, I was already like, 
Um, kind of like getting yeah, over yeah. that, I think. I don't know. Like, yeah. I would say, like, Against the Grain would probably be my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. But, uh, yeah, but I'm not, I mean, I'm not as big of a band religion fan as, as probably you. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Out of the Wolves to me is just, like, that is such a, but I guess Against the Grain is also the 80s. So yeah. that wouldn't even count in that. Yeah. Uh, well, it might be, no, I think Generator was the first one that was in the 90s. Uh, no, but I agree. Just because, like, I think about being, like, driven around by my parents when in, like, 94, 95, and... And Out Come the Wolves is on Z100, you know, like or Time Bomb was on Z100, you know, like that's yeah, insane. That was a that's big, yeah, absolutely insane. So yeah. just the 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 hugeness of that, and their hit was a ska song. That's fucking nuts. That's crazy. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't even like it didn't wind up being like uh, Basket Case or Linoleum or one of those like just a normal like poppy punk song. It was actually a ska song. Yeah. Crazy. I mean, all the walls have been broken down at that point, though, like, between, you know, Nirvana and Green Day and Offspring and all that shit, like, Mm -hmm. uh, it's such a weird time. The the mid-90s was so crazy to me, like, for music, like, the stuff that was on the radio, because Q104 was around at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, Active Rock or whatever the fuck they were calling it mm-hmm. was like Into Another and Orange Nine and yep. Shellac and Jesus Lizard and Hum and it was like wh- like how is what's happening like this isn't <laughs> it was a weird it was so weird like just mainstream music was totally co-opting like what mm-hmm. we had all like held dear you yeah. know it's it's just know. it's strange and unfortunate that like I guess in retrospect it was just like kind of I hate the word it was a fad but for some people it was a fad like if you talk to someone who like hasn't listened to music in fifteen or twenty years they'd be like oh yeah I remember when I remember that Jesus Lizard song was on the radio like they like they think of it almost as like a one hit wonder type of thing like just that moment in time for like radio rock music was exactly that for some people. They don't realize that it came from anywhere. Like they didn't realize it was any different than a pop song, you know, like they don't yeah, realize yeah. that there was a scene behind it or, or uh, like how big the bands were. It was just music on the radio to them. And then it went away and something else came, which is how a lot of people, you know, still to this day listen to music, which is crazy to me. But Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't have beef with that at all. Like, you know, you, you, not everybody's built the same or whatever, but yeah, it's it sh- yeah, like to think of people, to to think how different people's frames of references are mm-hmm. based up, you know, like uh, I'm not articulating this well, but to me, it's always just getting I don't know, like playing music and and getting into you know the world that we grew up in and all that. I mean, it is, it, to me, it's, it is strange that music is not something that like means something to people. Like I wish it meant something to everybody, but it's not. Some people just actually want to like party. And I like, I'm okay with that. It's just not how I listen to it. You know, like I yeah, have a problem yeah, yeah. with the way people listen to music now. And, and it's just like, it's not really any different when people are like 
listening to like Fetty Wap or something, how is that any different than some other one hit wonder from like the 80s or 90s or 70s or anything? It just sounds different now. It's the same thing, you know, like we're not going to be crying in 40 years when Fetty Wap dies, you know, like it's, it's like no one's going to fucking care. And that's just, that's how it is. Uh, I hate to be contrarian. <laughs> but, I don't know uh, enough. I don't, it's Fetty Wap album. <laughs> you picked the wrong one for me. Uh, Fetty Wap's album is actually on my top 15 of 2015. <laughs> I did pick the wrong one. I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that album's amazing. Um, uh, I will admit I have not really listened to it. I know the, the one song and, and uh, that's it. Bad example. <laughs> <laughs> but but over I get what you're saying overall. <laughs> I will be upset when we no longer have Fetty Wap. <laughs> but I I do uh, I appreciate the uh the sentiment of what yeah. the fuck you know. Uh yo man, I made it. I'm uh, I'm on my way home. I'm like Excellent. two minutes from my house. Thank you so much. Thanks. Uh, this is awesome. Uh, thank you for uh, opening up and talking yeah, about thanks. that stuff. And uh, thanks for having me. No, thank you, man. Um, I will. Uh, I'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right. Thanks, Neil. All right, man. All right, peace. exists on purpose nobody belongs anywhere everybody's gonna die come watch tv